It's fascinating. I was just really enjoying your share. I think there are so many reasons that people cheat. It's a complex thing. I think when we experience it, we assume it's because there's something wrong with me. But I think oftentimes the other person is just going through something and can't be in integrity. another episode of Dear Men fan favorite girl talk. Girl Girl talk! talk. (laughs) I'm really excited to have my fave ladies back. So happy to have you all. Um, So we're going to do the same thing that we always do, which is we'll go around, we'll do our name, we'll do our rough age, relationship status zero to 10. And if you had a pet growing up, what kind of pet did you have and what was their name? That's our wild card. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Um, and we'll just, I'll just call in people because I think that's, that's easier. So Z, why don't you start? Hi, I am Z. I'm in my late thirties. I am single, but available. I'd say maybe at like a seven. I mean, I'm available. I don't know how to number that. A seven? <laughs> oh, 10 is super committed. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. Let's X that. I'm single and I'm available. <laughs> okay. So like a three, like a three. Yeah, okay. sure. Um, I had a pet, uh, a Jackson chameleon and its name was Petrie. Oh, from land before time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cute. <laughs> yep. Well, that wasn't Petrie. Was it? <laughs> I yep. can't remember. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Nancy. Hey y'all. This is Nancy. I am 26 and I am on a scale of zero to 10. I'm a five. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, I'm Mel. Wait, and what my... about her pet? Oh, I'm so sorry. I interrupted your pet. Was it a Jackson chameleon? No. Okay. I had a... Could it have eaten a Jackson chameleon? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Well, so I had that. <laughs> Wait, can hamsters eat your pet? Probably not. No. Okay. <laughs> hamsters eat lettuce. So Definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah. So its name was Oreo because it was black on the sides and then white in the middle. Like an Oreo. Cool. That's a good name. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll go next. Um, Mel, I'm in my late 30s. I would say uh, I'm two. Two single. Pretty single. Um, available. And I had a cat named Pepper. Pepper. Mm-hmm. Was it black? I honestly don't really remember. Did it make you sneeze a lot? Just kidding. No. <laughs> okay. Violet. I'm Violet and I just turned 40. And I'm a 10 out of 10 on relationship status, happily, fully committed. And my first dog's name was Jakey, and he was a beagle. And my parents told me he got run over by a truck, but then I found out just like eight years ago that they actually gave him to a friend who had a farm because they were sick of him. They didn't think he was a very good dog. Wow, really? That's cold. Okay, that is a really messed up story to tell you. (laughs) That is cold. I would have just said, we gift him to a farm and he's so happy there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so anyway, (laughs) that was Jakey. I still still remember the picture of me holding Jakey when I was like three or four. 
Oh, Aww. I want to see that picture. Show it to me later. Um, so today we're talking about cheating, which is, you know, not always the most comfortable subject, but it's something that I really wanted to shed light on because I think it's, uh, I think it's similar to sexual shame where it's something that we don't always talk about, especially not in sort of an open, open, honest way. Like, I think it's, you know, it shows a lot up, it shows up a lot in entertainment and it's sort of either glorified or, you know, not denigrated, but like demonized and there's not room for a lot of nuance. And I actually think there is a lot of nuance or can be. So I kind of want to explore that. Um, so we're going to keep it pretty simple. We're just going to go around and um, talk about what is your experience in terms of cheating, um, which I believe for this group, most of us have been cheated on and have, don't have the experience of being the one who has cheated. But if you have any stories from friends that, you know, if that comes up, that's totally welcome. Um, but I'd love to hear your personal experience around this topic. So who would like to start? Before I call on people. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you start? Okay. Um, sure. So I have kind of a weird story of being cheated on because I dated a man for almost six months and it was pretty serious. And then I moved away and we kept in touch, not as in like we broke up, we broke up, definitively broke up and then kept in touch kind of sporadically and like nine months after, I think he texted me out of the blue. I cheated on you while we were together. Mm. And then he sent me a long sort of text, like kind of explaining, but not really explaining. He didn't tell me who, he didn't tell me when. He was just like, you know, I wanted to tell you before this could never be spoken of again, which was strange phrasing. And at the time I didn't respond to him, I had already set a boundary with him around communication a few months prior. And I was sort of like, I was sort of left with this weird feeling of like, I, I felt like I didn't have the emotional experience of, of being cheated on in the same way that other women had it, because it was so removed from the time that we were together. Yeah. Like I didn't catch him. It wasn't somebody I knew as far as I know, it wasn't somebody I knew. I, I really don't think it was. I think, I think I might know who it was and it was someone from his circle, um, but there was also a part of me that was sort of like, well, what's the point of me even responding to ask you about it? You, you've already proven that you, you lied to me. So uh, even if I ask you like, who was it? When was it like that stuff? Like, how am I supposed to know you're going to tell me the truth? Obviously you've kind of shown that you, that you haven't. Um, my biggest concern at the time was STIs. And I was extremely angry because I had been having unprotected sex with him um, because we were together and we were committed and I was pissed. And I, it, again, this was like nine months after we had broken up and I was seeing someone at the time. And I remember like immediately calling him and saying, this just happened. I didn't know. Um, and I had only slept with this man once and we'd use protection, but I still was like, I'm going to get tested right away. I'm really, really sorry. I didn't know. Right. And I was just enraged that he would put my health at risk like I felt enraged because we were sleeping together right up until the time that I left. And so I, I'm pretty sure like he cheated on me while we were together at some point. And I think after we sort of go around and talk about like our experience, I'd like us to go around and sort of talk about like our guesses or our theories as to why this man cheated on us and, and kind of what we learned from it or like what we got out of it. Um, but that was, that was kind of my experience and it felt 
like it feels weird. Like I still feel a little weird, like calling myself a member of the club who, who have, <laughs> of people who've been cheated on. If that makes sense. Cause it feels like this weird camaraderie club of, and I'm not just talking about women, but just, it's a, it's an act of betrayal essentially is what is what cheating is. I think, it, you know, there's a lot of nuance to it, like I said, but that's an element of it. And I'm sort of like, am I in that club? Like it, it was like seeing something from a distance or something. It's like seeing something from far away. Like it mm. happened to me, but it was like this weird distanced thing. I, you know, there was never the confrontation about it because I, I chose not to respond to that text. I think I blocked him at that point. I was like, I'm not like, you know, I'm kind of done with this. Um, so yeah, I, that was my experience. Yeah. Uh, okay I also don't feel like I'm a full-on member of the club because the circumstances are not entirely clear but the uh, first time that I found out someone was cheating on me was someone I had been dating I think we had been dating like four months we were actually on a trip in Europe for one of his friend's weddings so it's kind of this I guess high stakes. It felt like a high stakes like a um, trip. I mean, we were we were in close proximity and traveling thousands of miles away from home, and we got into a fight because I could just feel like something was off, and I had felt like that off and on with him a lot. Like I noticed that he flirted a lot with women, but I didn't have the courage or the vulnerability at that time to voice how I was feeling. So I just stuffed it all inside. And then he made a comment with one of his friends that we were visiting in Amsterdam that made me feel really triggered. And so I'm not proud to say this, but I took his phone and I went back through his phone and I found something from months prior. I mean, it was, it was maybe a month after we had become exclusive, but it was with a woman and he was like, can't wait to see you, baby, XOXO. And she was like, I love you. And so I asked him about it and he said, oh, that's my ex-girlfriend you know, we got, we got lunch that day and I was just, you know, this is just how we talk to each other. And I just knew that that was not true. (laughs) Like the, the effusiveness of it was, was really, um, high. And then afterwards, like there was later texts that said like, so, you know, Oh, it was so good to see you XOXO. And, you know, he never admitted that they slept together, but I, I had a huge rift with him. And so that's why similar to Mel, like, you know, he said that he didn't, I felt in my body that he did. It caused this huge fight in Amsterdam. And his friend was really a jerk. His friend was like, well, yeah, he probably did. That's what guys do. But guess what? He brought you to Europe, not her. So be happy about it. And he was just a total dick to me. (laughs) And I was, you know, anyway, so that was the main experience. And then the second experience was a little more traumatic. A friend of mine told me, because she knew the guy that I was dating and it was long distance she was like, you might need to know that he slept with one of our mutual acquaintances. I was like, what? And I called him out on it and he also denied it. But since one of my best friends, one of her friends was the one that it happened with, I just, yeah, I, I realized later he was a narcissist and he would never probably come clean about it. So I never had someone admit to cheating as in having sex they kind of both fabricated things. So again, maybe I'm just jumping to conclusions, but it was enough to, to end the relationships. How did, can I ask a question about it? How, how did you feel about both of those things? Cause in most instances I've noticed when women think that something's happening, it's happening. Like women have really good intuition around it. And I guess even though they didn't confirm it, how did you feel about both of those things? Like, what was your experience of them doing that to you and then not admitting it? 
it made me trust them less. If they had said, I'm sorry, I messed up. You know, we had just started dating. I wasn't sure if it was going to last. I got connected with my ex and I should have told you, I would have been pissed, but maybe we could have worked through it together versus just being like, Oh no, nothing happened. That was just an ex. And they didn't tell me they were meeting up with the ex. I'd never heard about the ex before. I don't even know in hindsight if it really was an ex. They just launched in this whole fabrication. And I think also put that woman down, got really defensive. And then the friend being like, you should be grateful that you're here. You could have chosen another woman. It was just a no, a no go. And then the other guy, um, he just kind of denied the whole thing, which I thought was just idiotic because doesn't he realize that women tend to trust each other? And my friend's friend was the one that told me about it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. I like, I would put that, you know, into the space about my story. Cause it did. There was a part of me that respected that he told me that I didn't find out through someone else. Mm-hmm. Like he was the one who directly told me the timing felt bizarre, right? It was like way after the fact, but I do, um, I am with you, Violet, about like the denying it just feels terrible. Like that doesn't feel good at all. I mean, it's crazy making. It makes, I feel like this is a general statement, but it makes women feel like they can't trust themselves. And we get labeled as being crazy. We get labeled as being too much. And oftentimes it's because there is a betrayal and we're reacting energetically and otherwise to that sense of loss and to that sense of, of shame and everything else that can come up. Yeah, yeah. Right. And the, did it happen? Like, am I making it up? Am I being, you know, too, I don't know what the word is, like. Dramatic. Yeah. Am I being too dramatic? Am I, you know, it's just like you said, it's crazy making like that. You just loop on like, well, did it happen? Was it, is it real? Like all of that is exhausting. This is a whole nother topic, but I just want to footnote this. Like it reminds me a lot of what I hear in my therapy work with people that are sexually abused when they're, when they're younger and they confront their abuser later and the abuser completely denies that anything ever happened. And it's like, are you effing kidding me? Like I was a child or a teen and this was being done to me and you're going to deny that you did it to me. And a lot of, I do have a friend that will not confront the person that did that because she has told me. I cannot handle them saying that didn't happen. Yeah. Because it like destroy like destroys that child part of me mm. that that stuff happened to. Yeah. So yeah, the, the denial I think is even more pervasively harmful than the actual act of somebody cheating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the denial basically makes the relationship irreparable. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that'll segue into mine. Um, so I was married before in a very committed relationship. And um, as you might have heard in another podcast, this is Z, by the way, we did not have a very good sex life for a multiplicity of reasons. But at the very end, I could tell that we were growing in different directions. We were together in our early 20s. And I could tell it wasn't working well, but we were both committed to being married as far as we both knew. And I just thought it was like one of those patches where you go through a rough, however many months or even year, and you look back on it, you know, 30, 35 years later, and you're like, oh yeah, we had that weird time. And for a month, like Violet was saying, like that intuition was just weird. It felt like he was working a lot and I trusted him. And I remember asking him like, is everything okay? Are you okay? Like you seem kind of weird, you're distant. And he was like, no, 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 I'm just working a lot. And he had a very high position job. So it made sense to me. And he had never lied to me before. 
And then there were three series of conversations that happened within the frame of two weeks. The first one was completely out of the blue. We were on date night and I had been a little depressed about my job and artistic things I was doing. And he had a stable, more commercial job. And I remember driving to the restaurant and being very negative because I just wasn't succeeding at my careers at that time and was and didn't feel connected to him. And he was silent in the conversation. And basically the conversations took place in this order. The first one was, um, so you don't want kids, right? This is him saying this yeah, to Yeah, him you. saying this okay. to me at dinner. And I was like, what the fuck? And I did not and still do not, but it was very weird because we hadn't talked about it for a long time. I cried all the way home in the car, silently looking out the window, and I could not figure out why I was so upset. And I had, and then the next week I spent researching, calling on my friends that had kids, seeing if that was something I could do. Within seven days, the new conversation was, what if I told you I didn't want to be married anymore? And I was like, this is a whole different conversation. And then three days later, he actually came home and told me that he lied and been a little manipulative and that he was cheating on me and didn't want to be married. And I was like, whoa, 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 turn on the light. We're having a conversation, sit down on the couch. I'm going to ask you questions. And that was pretty much when my whole world completely transitioned. And I kind of went into shock for about four months after that, because we had been in an incredibly committed marriage and together for 11 years. And this was the person that I saw myself with. And so he answered my questions, but then I think got kind of bored and said he needed to go to sleep. And then I ended up journaling for like 45 minutes and actually calling Mel (laughs) and we drove to a restaurant and I just looped for an hour talking to her in the car. And then we went in and had breakfast and then everything transitioned in my life. Um, The impact that it had on me was not only just that he cheated, which I was the person I was talking about earlier in the kitchen that I was the person that if somebody cheated on me, I was like, fuck you, we're fucking done. And my acting teacher always used to say, you never know how you're going to be unless you're actually in the situation. Mm -hmm. And I always thought I was that girl that if that happened, I was done like peace out. Mm -hmm. And yet I was in an 11 year marriage with somebody that I deeply loved and who was a, a huge support to me and was wonderful in so many ways to me, like really, really supported me deeply in so many ways. And we had a rift previously about five years before when I had moved out for six months, we did not get divorced. He did not cheat on me. You know, we ended up working it out. And so there was a part of me that I was like, maybe we can work through this. I never thought I would be even thinking about doing this. I don't know how to do it, but maybe we can reconcile because we've been together for 11 years and we are married. And it didn't work out that way. He was committed to being with this other person and didn't give me many options or choices. And the impact that that had on me though was far reaching and pretty severe. I spent the next, um, I pretty much went into like existential shock about my life, money, finances, support, Um, my whole life completely changed. I did serious therapy work and it's five years later now. And I only feel really within the last year and a half that I am fully myself again. Um, Obviously the impact of cheating is huge betrayal. Um, I didn't trust men. I was incredibly insecure and it brought out all of that stuff that I never thought was even there. And I ended up 
therefore choosing three men over the course of the next three and a half years to date that um, were not that great to date for specific reasons. And I know it was because I had very, very, very deeply embedded insecurities from that huge betrayal. Mm. So there were a lot of factors that were present. Um, but I think I'll stop there to share the mic. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for, thank you for sharing that. And for just sort of speaking to the, the, the long lasting effects, because I think that's something that can get lost in the conversation. And it's only the fact that you're removed that you can look back and kind of, you know what I mean? Do the timeline because yeah. you've had, yeah. Awesome. All right. Hey y'all, this is Nance. I will share my story and I think I will save the impact part for later, but uh, long story short, I was in a committed two year long relationship, a little bit over two years. This was, this was when I was like, um, 20 to 22. So I was like in college for most of it. Um, and so we, it was, a. I mean, it was a good relationship for the most part until, until it wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. and towards the tail end of the relationship, we were arguing a lot and, um, we, I had like, I graduated from college and then went off, like not officially graduated, but I went off to this, like to a study abroad program um, in Cambridge. And um, we, I mean, at the time I thought it was like the long distance that played into um, him wanting to sort of break up. And at that point it was like a year and three quarters or whatever, but um he, he like came to see me in Cambridge where I was studying abroad and like we were arguing and then he came back and then he went back to the States, to California. And then he just kept like wanting to break up, you know? And I was kind of like to speak to that crazy, that sensation of, or whatever experience of like feeling crazy. Like I'm like, like what, like what was, what was happening at the time? I was like, what was happening? What was happening? Like you were asking him what's going on, what's going on. Right. Right. And then he was just like using the excuse of like, I'm working. I'm like, he just graduated college and he was starting a a new full-time job, like going out into the real world and, you know, being a fully functioning working adult. And so, um, I finished up my program and then I came back to California and, at the time I was planning to move to Los Angeles because I, I thought there would be better career prospects for me in Los Angeles, but then decided to move to San Francisco to be closer to him and try to, you know, salvage our relationship. And, um, I remember one, the, the way that I found out was, um, we were having conversations about like porn or something. And I was asking him like, do you watch porn? And then, and then he like told me he did watch porn. And I was like really caught off guard because I thought like at one point I remember having a conversation with him and asking him, he said he didn't. So I went through his laptop and I basically looked through the history to look to see what I'm putting this in air, air quotes um, to see what kind of porn he watches. (laughs) But I found way much more than that. 
which was that he was like there were like pages of him like going through the Facebook of this girl that this intern that he was working with over the summer ah uh, uh, here we go so he was like looking through all her pictures and her like you know like posts and her like everything essentially and then I saw these <laughs> these search searches on google and quora um that were like my girlfriend's perfect but I don't love her <gasps> and oh. um how do I ask a coworker if she's single how do I ask my coworker out on a date? Like all these, all these Google and Quora searches. And I was, I was t- like horrified. I was like, so sad and like just shooketh mm-hmm. um, for lack of better, better. <laughs> that's the word. Yeah. Yeah. That's the word there. And um, it, and I like, pieced it all I pieced it all together like I, I literally you guys I like was full on a calendar oh like, yeah <laughs> oh yeah I was full on was organized <laughs> she had a google sheet she had <laughs> names and dates and places that FBI, man. FBI status um CIA um I went through and I I basically like mapped it all out and it just aligned so perfectly like the the text where he that he sent me where he initiated like breaking up um like you know that was like the day that he facebooked her or whatever yeah okay yeah yeah like the day before or something there was so much more of this timeline um I wish I I I do still have somewhere I think I I took a photo of it so it's like on my old like super old like iPhone camera roll or whatever uh, library um but I like pieced it all together and it made sense because like you know he like went through her Instagram page and then the next day he, or, or excuse me her Facebook page and the next day he like initiated a breakup whatever so um that happened and there's more to the story so I I consider him having cheated on me emotionally with a coworker mm-hmm. and then physically with a different person um a few months after that and did you confront him about the about that stuff oh yeah and what did he say? He was flustered. And he, I think, I, he was flustered. I, I, he was. He didn't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he didn't know what to say. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember if he defended himself. No, I don't think he did. I don't think he was like super defensive or anything, but he was like, did you ask him if he'd slept with her? Were you like, how far has this gone? No, I I think I knew through like intuition slash those, the search history that like, she didn't feel the same way about him. The coworker didn't. Okay. Feel the same way. Like she didn't reciprocate his feelings. Okay. um, Of, you know, whatever interest yeah 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 I don't know how I knew that I think I just knew that somehow um but yeah he was caught I mean I put together a very interesting you're like here's the dossier of how I know that you've emotionally cheated on me and so but so then so you stay together through this period right and then now months later exactly yep so we were trying to work on it so this was I don't know 
uh, let's say let's say September 2015 um, was when we had this conversation um, after, around like the emotional cheating with a coworker, and then the emotional and then the physical cheating happened. I want to say like right before my birthday in October, October, mid October, October 26th. Let's say, I think it was 26th. Actually, (laughs) how did you find that out? So I found that out because he told me. Oh, okay. Yes. I can't remember how he told me, but happy birthday, by the way. I know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Not cool. So he, but better than not, saying something right so and you don't remember what he said like I need to tell you something yeah I don't yeah I don't know I don't remember how he's and was that like the breakup conversation was it no we were still trying to work on it after that and like I I completely resonate with your like anger and feeling enraged around like STIs, because that was definitely, yeah, that was definitely a factor too. And you guys were having unprotected yes. sex. Yeah, uh-huh. so fucked up. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was still one of my questions. That was my first question, actually. Yeah. Did you use protection uh, on her? Well, I said, have you had sex with me? Have, have you had sex with her? Um, why, like, and then had sex with me ever at all? And the answer was no. So it might have been because we were disconnected. We hadn't had sex for like a month or something. Anyways, Nancy, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, that was like one of my first questions. Do you too. remember the answer? He had unprotected sex with her. Wow. Oh. Um. Uh huh. Yeah, I was. I remember just like being heartbroken. Oh. Like, I don't know what it is, but you know, like I was heartbroken. I like felt so enraged and pissed, and like I kept trying to like get him to go get checked for like STDs, and like he was just so. Uh, Posed, I think maybe it's the idea maybe because like it was like me trying to like enact it on him or something and so wow that's unacceptable yeah that is unacceptable yeah 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 and I felt like I feel even way more hurt by that too that's right that you unbelievable don't even want to protect my health wow. by knowing if there's something that you have like that's my body on the line yeah. and if someone has HIV that's HIV Right. Yeah. We're not just talking about like yeah. unprotected sex because the condom will protect against HIV. Right. The other stuff, of course, is yeah. inconvenient Ish. and everything, yeah. but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then, so what happened? Like what, how were you feeling at this point? And then what? <laughs> so we, I mean, I totally can resonate with Z and in, in that I, you know, I thought it would be black and white, like cheat, see ya, like yeah. deuces. I'm out. Yeah. But this is the person that I saw myself like with spending the rest of my life with, you know, I wasn't married to him, but we were in two year relationship and we had had conversations about growing old together and having children and, you know, buying a house and so settling down and all that stuff. And so I was really, really, really just heartbroken and I wanted to make it work. And, and that's why we were doing this dance of like, let's see if we can try to make this work. Um, but we weren't actually seeking professional help. I, at one point, actually, he had brought it up, which like in retrospect, I'm like, wow, that was great for him. You know, he had talked about maybe going to see, going to see like a couple's counselor or a couple's therapist or whatever. And I think at the time, I don't know, I was, I was not ecstatic about it and I didn't realize like the importance of it. And so we were doing this thing, this dance of like, let's see if we can make it work for six 
another like six months after. Oh, that's um, painful. Yeah. So like it lasted, it finally ended in like February of 2017. And that's, and I just kind of just like, all right, I'm done. And then I just never responded and to any of his messages. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about the effects, but yeah, that's basically it, I think. Well, do you mind talking about the effects? I mean, what sure. do you feel like that experience like sure colored the your future dating oh, scenarios and yeah, yeah. My sense of self-worth and self-esteem was just like deteriorated totally. Like I thought there was it was all my fault and he cheated because I was too emotional and I was too much and and it's funny, like that Google search, you know, um, of my girlfriend's perfect, but I don't love her. Like I thought like here, here I was like seeking this I- ideal perfection, mm-hmm. you know, perfect form or version of who I was. And I was like, that's still not enough. Like I'm never going to be enough. Like I thought mm-hmm. like, I'm perfect yeah. and I'm still not enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, Dude, I, I feel like I'm, I'm still dealing with some of these, like, it, this insecurity of, like, being too much or, like, being too emotional or um, having too many emotions or, like, being too dramatic and da-da-da, like, um, let's see, what else? Yeah, trust. I definitely didn't feel like I can trust men um, and, like, there's still some lingering, like, fuck men but <laughs> but uh, I, I try to you know like ignore that and and you know <laughs> and reframe it <laughs> and reframe it dear men um I love y'all <laughs> I'm like the therapist in the room is like shaking her head <laughs> well but it's but it is that that's an important thing to put into this space of like this is a part of yeah this is a part of me. this is a belief that I have you know I think yeah you know, a lot of men have the, like, she's just going to use me. Yeah. It, right. And it's like, it's not the whole of that person's consciousness, but that's a part of it. And yeah. like, you know, these people, this, whatever group it is, this group screwed me over, like, fuck this group. Like, totally. it's, and so if we pretend it's not there, then that doesn't really work out so well. So like including it and like, Oh, and this is here, like all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a good segue to kind of like, I, I I'm curious to hear about each, each woman's healing journey around recovering from the cheating. Um, because I think that everyone on this call has done a lot of work around this and hasn't just brought like fuck men as yeah. like, okay, this yeah. is now my new, my new scenario. My it's new just, paradigm. My new men. plan <laughs> is just fuck men. Like that's <laughs> not what I've observed this group doing at all. And so, but there are, there are people who do that. Like there are yes. women who are cheated on and then that becomes their sort of like this was the worst thing that happened to me and they just carry that through of like I can't trust men I can't surrender to men and they might keep dating but there's a way their body's still locked up or their heart is still locked up and they're not really willing to 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 do the thing again yeah um I don't feel like that about the people on this call so I I would love to hear from each woman in terms of of your healing journey around recovering anyone can start Want to go in order again with you? Uh, sure, we can start with me. I don't really feel like I, it, again, it feels distant and removed. Mm-hmm. It, like it doesn't feel like it's really come up in future relationships. I've never really been worried or like, what is this man doing? You know, 
where is he? Like, I've never had that kind of like anxiety. And I think that's, that feels like, I feel like if I had had the emotional experience, although I felt sense in my body of being cheated on, that would be part of my, I think, I mean, you know, from what I've heard and everything. So I don't really feel like that has been part of my healing journey so much as other things with respect to men. This is Violet. I am in some ways grateful for the end of the relationship with the person who I first described who cheated on me that supposedly was with an ex when, and I found out about it while in Amsterdam, because actually it was after that relationship ended that I decided to see a somatic therapist. I didn't even know what a somatic therapist was, but by the grace of God and the universe, universe, there was a friend of mine who also had her as his therapist. And he said she was amazing. And I had tried two other therapists before, maybe even three, but no one that really resonated. So I was like, this is bad enough that I'm willing to try therapy again. Um, So that was really great because she helped me realize that it wasn't just the fact that he cheated. It was that I went against my intuition the entire time I was dating him because of my desire to be loved. And because of my desire to be loved, I picked a partner that was similar in his trustability to, you know, what I experienced in my formative relationships with my caregivers, which was not super emotionally trustable. So she helped me unpack all of that, which was really, really important. And truthfully, on the very first date I had with this ex-boyfriend who cheated on me, we knew someone, a mutual friend, and she was at the party with him the night that I met him at a party of a friend's birthday. And I asked him on the first date, I was like, oh, how do you know, you know, the birthday girl? He's like, oh, I know her through her friend. And I said, well, how do you know her friend? And he's like, oh, well, we work together. But when he said that, he looked to the side and I was like, oh, you went to a party with a colleague for someone you don't really know? Like, are you guys close? And he's like, well, I mean, we're close in certain ways. And instead of asking a deeper question, like, well, what do you mean by that? Like, are you guys dating? Did you hook up? Like, what's what's going on? At that point, I did not feel empowered enough to ask questions and follow my intuition. So to make a long story short, I realized that it wasn't just the cheating. It was all these other patterns that had contributed to it, which I'm not saying is true for everyone else on this call or everyone else who who goes through cheating, but it was important for me to make better choices in the future. And then the other person who cheated on me, I mean, I just kind of threw my hands up in the air because at that point I had already done, I'd been in therapy for three or four years. And that's actually... I mean, ironically, that's what inspired me to get a coach and to look into coaching. So I kept my therapist, but then I also got a coach to better understand, okay, I understand my patterns, but understanding them is not enough. Like I've got to change something in the way that I'm acting and embodying and attracting and and all of that. Um, So they were both actually really important stepping stones to get me to do my damn work. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. You you couldn't see it, but there was a lot of head nodding over here, especially the part about um, ignoring intuition. Yeah. So just so you know, you're nodding a lot, vigorously. a lot, a lot of vigorous nodding. <laughs> <was happening. laughs> there was some it was the whole nine. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to add one other thing really quick, which is that kind of to I think it was Nancy's point about you know feeling down and and low after that happened. If I look at the men that I dated right after the men that cheated on me, it was always someone who was definitely not a fit for me, but I was like, oh, well, at least I, you know, at least I can date them or uh, this is something like 
I, I don't know if rebound is the right word, but it was in one case I dated someone who's super conservative Republican, like a volunteer police officer. And now I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I dated that person. And he was, he was an asshole and he, you know, didn't want to be in a relationship. And um, anyway, I won't go into all of that, but I think the cheating for me um, made me pick even worse partners afterwards. Yeah. 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 There's something mm-hmm. Z when you were going through it, I remember you, this phrase always stuck out to me. You were like, it just feels like I got thrown away like trash. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And I, I, every time you would say it, it just hit me like right in the heart of like, oh, or maybe like the gut of just like, God, that feels terrible. Like there's just something so terrible about that. And we're going to, you know, after we go around, we're going to talk about why we think this person cheated on us. And I think that I just, I want to make sure that we also talk about like, what could he have done instead, right? To address the concerns or whatever, rather than this, because this is just so destructive. And I think there are, you know, there are other ways, there are other ways. It doesn't have to be this, this way. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so piggybacking on to Violet's point um, about just the impact and that dating somebody because you wanted love. I don't think I would have identified it at that time, but the person that I chose to date after, and I did like, I did some serious therapy and I did some work and it was about a year, a year and a half after. And I ended up randomly meeting somebody and deciding to date them. And I did not grow up with alcoholics, even though I'm in the addiction field and studying, I was studying to be a therapist at that point. Um, I had behavioral addiction. So my background was eating disorder stuff. So I was not super familiar with the other patterns of addiction because I hadn't seen them firsthand. And so um, like certain people do, they kind of pull you in really close, you know, get you feeling all warm and toasty and loving. And it was about a month in when I already had a lot of feelings for this person, I thought, that I realized that he had problems with alcohol. And that kind of led to about eight months of going back and forth with this person where the first two months we were in a committed relationship and dating. And then as anyone who knows about addiction, you know, it's a hard cycle to do. And I went back and forth. I realized that I still have some, um, every now and then I can bring up anger when it comes to the context of that relationship, but really it's because it's still that like, Oh, why couldn't I have made better? Like, why couldn't I? And I just couldn't at that point, there had been so much pain that my ex-husband had caused. I'm quoting that because obviously we make choices, but I didn't feel like I had a lot of choice in how that relationship ended. And so I had to make my own way through it internally instead of having external choice. And so I basically realized that I chose a partner that I was enacting something that was previously in my field, which was addiction. I was no longer in the addiction cycle at all. And I had not been for a little while, but I chose somebody that resonated. So somewhere it must've still been in my frequency through that. Honestly, there was a lot of healing because I was able to see what I might have looked like and shown up like with my ex, because that was one of the things we did fight about was my eating disorder And I did completely disconnect and pull away in so many ways. And I remember, um, actually called Mel, I was at a barbecue, he got passed out drunk. And, um, I literally called Mel from the corner of his apartment room being like, Mel, this is what happened. 
should I stay? Should I leave? Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm kind of scared to leave. What if he like dies? <laughs> and she was like, well, do you want to stay or go? Like, this is happening multiple times. He's been fine. Like put him on his side, you know, whatever. And I was like, I want to come home. I want to be at our place. And so she's like, come home then. And so I walked back down to my car. I got in my car and I remember sobbing, driving home and just like literally being like, I'm so sorry to my ex-husband. I said his name because I finally understood what it must've felt like to felt to feel invisible and abandoned in that part of the connection that we had when I was in my own addiction. Um, and so I think that there was so much healing that was under the guise of all of this deep insecurity I had. One of the things that I also recognized was that with my ex-husband, I had um, <laughs> disconnected a lot. I refused to talk about things. I would just get mad and walk out of the room. And I was the one that was the avoidant in the relationship before. And the trauma shifted me to be the person that would like, <gasps> and I was like super anxious attached for a while. And I recognized this really interesting thing where we would be arguing. I'm just going to call him John. That was not his name. Was this but, the um, new guy or this is, ex this, is, this is the new the guy. New guy. Okay. The new guy is called John. That's not his name. But I remember arguing with, with John and I remember reaching down and grabbing the countertop and holding the countertop. And I recognized that I was doing that because with my ex-husband, I would just peace out and leave the room. And I would disconnect from conversations. And I was trying my fucking best to stay in these conversations because I had not done that with my ex. Wow. And obviously now, and looking back on it, I can see that I was putting so much effort, so much trying, efforting, understanding, mm. working on all the crap that I thought that my ex-husband had left me for. But the difference was, is I was doing it with somebody that didn't deserve it. Mm. My ex-husband, you know, before he cheated, he was a one and you know, whatever people do shit, but he was a wonderful man to me. And he deserved the best parts of me that I was only able to really significantly work on building after we were no longer together. And I was trying to give those things to somebody that did not deserve those things. And that was a really fascinating experience for me looking back. But yeah, the, the damage that it did was significant from my ex-husband. But I think that the gratitude is that it facilitated some really deep personal work that I had to do. Yeah. Um, like I'm reminded of that quote from, I forget who it's from and I apologize, but it's like the, someone once gave me a box of darkness. It took me many years to realize this too was a gift. And like, that was the most horrible box of darkness I think I got, even though other things have happened to me. And yet it was one of the most powerful gifts that I received by mm -hmm. not being in my marriage. Yeah. It reminds me of post-traumatic growth, which is something that we don't talk about. We talk about post-traumatic stress a lot as a disorder and as a culture, but post-traumatic growth is a real thing. It's a real thing in the therapeutic community. It's not like something I just made up. Um, and it's exactly what you just pointed to of like when a trauma happens, if you actually deal with it, right? If you actually grieve and go into it and get some support and help through it, you can grow from it. And it can be then a way that deeply serves you. And that's what I hear in that sort of share. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely experienced some PTG. <laughs> so after, after I decided to stop texting my ex-boyfriend back, in 
February of 2016, I finally got my ass up and left San Francisco. Like, I quit my job. I mean, I wasn't super happy with my manager either, so that definitely helped. Uh, but, you know, I lived... I lived <laughs> I lived in the same apartment complex as he did. So he was basically like 30 seconds away from. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, from my reach in, in San Francisco. So yeah, I finally, I left, I left San Francisco, I moved to LA and I, and I focused on myself, like, you know, at, for, I guess that entire, whatever, six, six plus months after I got back from, from Cambridge I was like let me go to San Francisco and like salvage this relationship and see what I can do here to like save this um but yeah after it ended my my world was completely flipped upside down you know all my worldview and just made me question like what is love and (laughs) what is life and I had neglected a lot of my friendships um in that relation in that intimate relationship so I I moved to to LA and I built a lovely community that I found through Craigslist and you know a lot of those folks and who lived in the house um were really all about like self-growth and um spirituality and and development and you know the therapy world and so on so forth so really just uh focused my efforts and and time into like practicing love and growth and generosity and kindness and all the things that you, you know, ideally uh, bring to a relationship, intimate relationship within the realm of my friendships. Um, And then I read, I started reading a ton of books about, you know, love and attachment and, and just nonfiction, like self growth, personal development stuff. Brene Brown. Um, Brene Brown. Um, self forgiveness like self kindness self-loving self-love so on so forth um and then let's see what else did I do in my healing journey I I found a church yeah so I got reconnected my relationship to God and um, started nurturing that and really just like it you know I had gone to church in the past um, when I was in college uh wasn't I wasn't born into a Christian household but um like reconnected my relationship with God and um and have since then nurtured it and cultivated it into something that I really see myself like continuing to grow and nurture for the rest of my life um and then this year I guess that was like 20 what 2016 so like three and a half years later or so I started seeing a therapist um so starting to learn about all of my patterns and <laughs> all the fun stuff and you know signed up for some some kind of coaching programs as well but yeah I guess impact was like feeling really insecure and unworthy of love and like feeling like I was like you know I'm I'm too much or too emotional or whatever and I'm starting to realize more and more again it's like it's an ongoing journey for me right like I only started going to a therapist earlier this year and so um still kind of learning and growing but realizing that I'm not too much like I'm not too much you know and like (coughs) some people just don't like I was arguing a lot with my ex because 
he just didn't understand my emotions. Like he couldn't like hold space for that. He couldn't really um, just, <coughs> I guess, be there in a loving, accepting sort of way. And like on my end, like I couldn't really like communicate and we'll, we'll go into that, but that's kind of why I think he cheated on me. Mm. Um, but yeah, so just focusing on myself, really, and also, like, Z, like, using some of these, like, not, <coughs> quote, not so good relationships um, to, to learn and grow, like, I'm, I feel like the quality of the men that I've chosen for after, after that relationship has uh, declined, <laughs> like, uh, significantly but you know it's all been a learning experience and it's not to say like yeah there are things about every single relationship that I really appreciated and it was just they're all just sort of ways for me to um use those kind of not use but like utilize those relationships as a way to see myself more clearly and see my patterns and see how things play out and um you know there are things I appreciate about them and there are things that I, I was able to kind of grow from Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned at the very end, <laughs> a possible theory as to why you think this man cheated on you. So I'd love to go around and just sort of briefly give our theories as to what we think might have been going on on the man's side. I can start. Um, so I was in this relationship with this man, and I think that he was he was looking at it as this is someone I would potentially be with for the rest of my life. I deeply, deeply care about this woman. I really want this to work. I was not in that place. I, um, he also had issues with alcohol and I wasn't comfortable with those. And, um, I just wasn't in the same place. And I think that when I told him, and I told him early on in our relationship, like I'm thinking of moving, like I'm looking at moving cities. And so I had, you know, I quote unquote had given him fair warning, but I think that there was a way that I was, I was clear in a conversation we had at some point and I was like, I don't want to do distance. Like when I move, that's it for me. And I think that, um, I think he felt out of control. I think he didn't feel like he had control or choice in that. He was losing something he really cared about. And I think that the cheating was a way of maybe it was unconsciously asserting some kind of control over the situation. Like, at least I can do this. And I I really don't think that was a conscious choice on his part. I don't think that he would have necessarily realized that was why, but just intuitively, it feels like it wasn't, it didn't feel to me like this is a way to get back at her. It just felt more like I'm out of control. I don't know how to talk to her about this. You know, he asked me very few questions about my move. Like he didn't really talk about it in the relationship. He, He kind of ignored it. And I wasn't that proactive about sharing. I mean, I shared some details and stuff, but like I was doing a few preliminary interviews, for example, he didn't ask me about those. Like, so, um, that's my theory as to why it was like an unconscious way of like asserting just some control over it. Like, at least I can do this. Mm. Violet. Yeah. It's fascinating. I was just really enjoying your share. I think there are so many reasons that people cheat. It's a complex thing. I think when we experience it, we assume it's because there's something wrong with me, but I think oftentimes the other person is just going through something and 
can't be in integrity because I think now, I mean, I can't predict the future, but Jason and I have such a solid relationship. I can't imagine it would get to that point. Like we talk about our complaints and resentments and the things that aren't working in our relationship, like early and often. So um, again, who knows what would happen, but um, anyway, so I feel like the person that I dated that cheated on me that I first referred to had kind of had loose boundaries in the past with other, you know, relationships and wasn't really being transparent with me. And I could feel it, but as I was mentioning, I didn't really go into it. So I think he didn't think it was cheating because he said, well, we just started, we just became exclusive, which is, you know, the text messages that I found were, I think three weeks after we had become boyfriend, girlfriend, but to me, like, uh, yeah, well, it was three weeks after we became boyfriend, girlfriend, but we were still boyfriend, girlfriend. <laughs> like, I think he found ways of, of justifying, you know, his behavior. And I, in hindsight, think he was very much a people pleaser. So I'm not excusing him for his behavior, but I think back about how much he would agonize over what people thought of him and making sure that he was, so it just feels like he poor boundaries, poor self-awareness, trying to please everyone and not being an integrity. Um, and I think on a deeper level, he cheated because of some of the issues with his relationship with his mom, but I'm not a therapist. I can't diagnose any of that. Um, yeah, there just seems to be some really like shifty energy because he, he was always wanting female approval and was flirting all the time. And then with people other than me, let me clarify. (laughs) And so the second person I think cheated because he was curious what he could get away with. Like, I don't think it was a, you know, we're not having sex. I mean, granted it was a long distance relationship. So I, maybe there was some sexual needs that weren't getting fulfilled, but we had only been dating for like six weeks when this happened. And I had just seen him the week before and we had sex like seven days in a row, you know? So I don't, that doesn't feel like a plausible reason to me. Um, Again, I feel like he was really out of integrity because he denied everything and he was always a bit shifty about a lot of things and um, which I didn't notice at first because I just was wrapped up in that early phase of dating someone who has those tendencies to be charming and sweep you off your feet and then kind of juggle and hide. But I think my deeper truth about that situation is that he, this is just an intuition, but that he also has sexual trauma when he was young, cause he made some references to that and having not done his work on it, I think he always wanted to feel sexually powerful. And, um, he would do this weird thing when we were on FaceTime, he'd give me this like blue steel look. And I'd be like, what are you doing? I felt like he was trying to, he was trying to find his own sexiness. He was, he was trying to feel, feel worthy and feel desired, you know, the same way that sometimes we do as women, although I don't think it always leads to us, you know, cheating in order to feel desired. Um, yeah, that's my, those are, those are my intuitions. And I will share just quickly a really personal story, but when my ex-husband and I were like right before we got separated, one of the things that caused me to ask for the separation, even though we'd been kind of fighting and not for a while, and we hadn't had sex in like, I don't, I can't tell you how long. Um, 
and we had talked about how we weren't having sex, but one of the tipping points is that I kissed someone at a party and I realized, Oh my God, I kissed someone like we've been fighting, but I haven't asked for a separation. And that like, this is, I have to ask for that right now. Um, mm. so I told him and he was, he was like, it was just a kiss, but I was like, no, it means everything to me that I kiss someone like this is a, this is a no go. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. But, but the reason I kiss someone is because I just wanted to feel something again. Like we hadn't had sex in so long. And when we did have sex, unfortunately he had some challenges. So it was never longer than like 30 seconds. So, um, yeah, I can really empathize with people who are in sexless relationships. I mean, honestly, sometimes my clients will say, you know, my spouse cheated on me of 20 years. And then when I ask, you know, well, when's the last time you guys were intimate? And not because I'm trying to blame them. They'll say, oh, you know, we hadn't had sex since after our last child was born eight years ago. And I'm thinking, you know, eight years is a long time to be in a relationship. And women sometimes, I'll get off my soapbox in a second, but I think women sometimes think, you know, if a relationship has solid companionship and emotional intimacy and, you know, it feels like we're friends, then that's good enough. The guy should should be happy with that. But when you make a vow, I feel like to someone, you're making a vow to only be physical with that person and, and to ex- expect your spouse to be fine with no sex for eight years is kind of a tall order. It doesn't necessarily respect the vow in my mind. Mm. Uh, yes. I yeah. Agree with that. Yeah. Thanks for speaking to that. I think, um, take it away Z. <laughs> That's Violet's just like a perfect segue yeah. into yeah. my life here. Um, <laughs> so I think that first off the integrity thing. So my ex-husband was um, incredibly integrous in pretty much everything that he did. And that was one of the reasons that I was with him for so long. And I think what hurt me the most is actually the night that he told me he was cheating on me, um, we were sitting on the couch and I was asking him questions in this state of panic. And I remember saying, okay, okay, you, you, you made a mistake. And he was like, it's not a mistake. And I was like, excuse me, what? And he was like, it's not a mistake. And that I think was the part that panicked me the most. And then I don't know if he said it in the same conversation, but after, um, was that he said that he was in integrity right now. And I was like, what fucking planet am I living on? (laughs) And so I think that's the part that the integrity piece now from hindsight, when I wrap my mind around it, I think what he was trying to say is needs weren't being met. And so he felt in integrity with wanting his needs to be met in this particular way. And hopefully if we were to have a conversation with him, he would be able to have more insight on this and different insight because I don't think he would agree with his previous statement. But my understanding was that I think what I sense in Mel's stories and Violet's things is that, and in mine, especially I hear a disconnection. So with my ex and I, we were disconnected. We met young. We had been growing apart for a while. Um, We did not have a very good sex life. Um, I will take a lot of the responsibility for that. I needed to do more work in that arena, which I have since done. But that was not something that I enjoyed and wanted to partake in often. So even though, you know, we did have sex every month, it wasn't like a joy for me. And that sucks and that's sad. And I wish I could have experienced that with him, but it was painful at that time for me. And so I didn't want to ever do it. Um, but the sex definitely was a factor because I think for a lot of men, that's how they feel connected to their partners. That is like intimacy for them. 
And that was really not great for pretty much the entirety of our relationship, except for the beginning. Um, the second thing is, is I do deeply think that he did want a family and kids. And that's something that I did not want. And I do believe that he loved me and did not want to hurt me, but he didn't know how to get what he wanted and still have, you know, and, and not hurt me. And so even though it happened in a kind of fucked up way that there's a couple details I did not share, um, I do think that he really wanted a family of his own. And I was not able to provide that. And at that time, I was kind of an asshole about it. Um, I wasn't like caring and kind in the conversations. I was just, I mean, I would lie. I don't hate kids, but I would kind of be mean about kids and stuff because I was just like, stop fucking talking to me about it. I don't want to talk about it. Um, and I do think that most off, it was the disconnection. I had been really trying to achieve my goals and my dreams. And one of the things I journaled about the other day, because it came up, was that I had been taking our relationship for granted. So I had been resenting him that he had a stable job and I felt really misunderstood as an artist. And I was taking jobs to be on films, even though they were very low pay or no pay because I wanted real. And I was just, I really wanted to like, I was pursuing acting full time. And I gave up opportunities. Like I remember it was this one Christmas or some party that he was going to for work. And I didn't go with him because I was shooting a film. And I think he wanted me to go. And we had good communication, but we didn't have like emotional communication. And I remember um, the therapist I saw right after was like, there's this scale that you can use on level one to 10. And you ask your partner, how, is, how important on a scale of one to 10 is it for me to go to this party with you? And if my ex said, level 10, this is 10 important. And I would have said, oh shit, well, my film is only five important that I shoot it. And then I'm like, obviously we go to the thing. We had no level of how to manage what was important to us and how important it was to the other person. You know, obviously it's kind of a cognitive skill, but I had been feeling really um, selfish and I don't feel bad about that word, but I really wanted the things I wanted in my life. And I think he really wanted the things he wanted. And we weren't able at that time to have skills to talk about the in-between. Mm -hmm. And so the disconnect became something that stuff entered into the middle of it because we didn't have the skills to fill all the space and connect. Mm. So there was a lot of stuff that and space that entered into the middle between us. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, this is me. Uh, so I will speak about it from, I'll say my perspective around what, you know, I was accountable for that I think I speculate led to the to the cheating and then um, from his perspective, according to my speculations. <laughs> Obviously, you probably have, you know, more to say um, or just something different. I don't know. Anyway. Okay. So, so. I think so in that relationship, like looking back in retrospect, I was very ambitious in my, my promises around doing things differently, even though I didn't have, I wasn't equipped to do things differently. Like I was always like, you know, we would have arguments and then I'd be like, I'll do better. Like I'll do better. Like, I will communicate my feelings better, for instance, when I didn't really have the tools to communicate my feelings and my needs any differently and 
than I knew how to at the time. You know, I'm more equipped now because I am in therapy and I read a lot and does, I practice way more now. And I have saved people that, you know, are accepting of that. But like at the time I was like, I'll do better. I'll do better. I'll do better. I'll communicate better. But like, I didn't really know what that even meant. You know, I would just like wanted to just appease him or try to salvage the relationship and have everything be like, okay. And status quo essentially. And I remember there was a, this, <laughs> there was this, we had a conversation around like, I, I can't remember at what point this was in the relationship, maybe a little bit over a year when we, which is like when we started arguing frequently and we had a real conversation of like, maybe we should break up. Like maybe we should break up. Like maybe we're just not ready to be in this relationship right now. And I knew that was true in my body, except, you know, like I felt super, both of us felt very averse to the idea of breaking up because we wanted to be together and we loved each other. And we've talked about, you know, having just building a life together for the rest of our lives. And um, in retrospect, like I'm not, everything happens for a reason, obviously, but like that was when we both knew that like, this is, this is gonna hit, shit's gonna hit the fan. Shit know? is sinking. <laughs> like, shit's gonna go downhill from here, y'all. Mm-hmm. All right. But yeah, and, and so I was doing a lot of like, I'll do better, I'll do better, I'll do better. And then on his part, I mean, what led him to cheat was his, his needs, his needs around like, me fulfilling my promises. <laughs> and when you say promises, like, was he asking, like, in his way, was he saying, I need you to be more vulnerable with me? Like, I want to know what's on your heart. Like, what was the content briefly of, yeah. like, what was he asking for that you keep saying, I would, I'll do better. What was right. the request? Like, it was communicate better, like communicate your feelings. So share with me, let me in. Not so much, but like, I mean, he, okay, so to, for a little context, like he doesn't completely have awareness around his emotions. I grew up in a, in a setting where I wasn't really taught to like how to bring my emotions. You to, were shamed for having emotions. Right, okay. right. Bring my emotions to another person. So it, it would be all, it would always be these like blowout fights of like, Nancy's mad again. Mm. Nancy's, Nancy's pissed about something. Mm. Nancy's mad at me for mm. something, mm-hmm. right? Like it would always be this like. So his request was bring it to me sooner so that it's not an explosion, kind of. Yeah, like bring it to me in a more neat, more. We need to be in a neat, tidy way. Oh yeah, okay, sure. Right, right. And I was like, I'll do better. Yes, next time I'm gonna. Gotcha. I'm gonna map this out. Like I'm gonna plan what I'm gonna be mad. I'll bring you the spreadsheet for our next fight. (laughs) Put it in a deck. (laughs) Add some graphics. All right. Um, But yeah, essentially like. I was like promising to communicate my emotions in a neater, more organized way. Mm-hmm. And what wasn't able to kind of fulfill on the, that promise. Cause I didn't know how I wasn't equipped. I didn't have the tools. Yeah. Um, and so, it's possibly not terribly realistic as an expectation anyway. For right. Like, for a woman to be like, please just don't be emotional and just like be neat and tidy all the time. It's like, mm. yeah. For anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Right. And then, 
I guess he was he was sick of he was sick of feeling like I was constantly mad at him and like feeling like he wasn't doing anything right like he was always like doing something wrong and yeah. he couldn't just get in why like why is she always mad at me like why is she so emotional all the time why is she so dramatic um and that and I think just our life paths were you know and going into two different directions as well him graduating and starting his finance job and banking um in San Francisco and then me wanting to move to LA and you know do my thing at, in their entertainment at the time um and like we talked we talked about it and we're like oh we're gonna get through this it's gonna be all good but I don't think he really realized like what that would mean especially especially because we were arguing so much so that was like taking away a lot of time away from like him you know performing um and then so yeah my speculation is like not him not really fully realizing like the responsibility Mm -hmm. well it's interesting because you know this sort of segues into like well what's the alternative right like what's the alternative to cheating if you're you know in a situation let's say the way that Z you were of like, this is a man who's in a marriage. He's not getting his needs met and his solution, his, what he chooses to do is to cheat and then kind of inform you, Hey, I'm cheating. Yeah. I feel an integrity around it. Like another choice is like, have the hard conversation, Yeah, have the hard conversation. I'm worried about our relationship. I'm concerned. Like I really like, I need our sex life to improve. I would love for us to see a sex therapist together because this is so important to me that I'm considering, I'm, I'm looking at women at work. I'm considering, you know, I've had thoughts of cheating. I don't want to do that to you. I don't want that to be part of our story. I would like to do this instead. Like have the hard conversation. Cause it feels like in many of these circumstances, um, the, the person who cheated wasn't really either equipped or willing to have that hard conversation which is super uncomfortable. It's a really uncomfortable conversation. It's like, you know, am I going to hurt her feelings? Like we've already talked about this so much before and nothing changed, right? Like, but there's a difference between, especially I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on that particular story because I think there are a lot of men, at least that I hear from mm-hmm. who are in sexless marriages where they're like, I feel trapped. I feel like I don't really have a choice. Like I'm either in this, cause it's sort of like you steal all the exits. If you're in a, a monogamous relationship, like totally. that's the only channel for you totally. to get sexual needs met and it's not happening yeah. or it's like, well, my woman doesn't like sex. She doesn't want sex. So my choice is either like divorce or, or, or cheat. And it's like, that's a false choice. There's a third choice. That's like, we need to get help. I am so like, this is a level 10 need. Like you said, to your point, this is so high on my list. I'm considering exiting this relationship. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to exit this relationship. I want us to figure this out. I have found this sex therapist or I have found this counselor. I found someone to help us. I would love for you to come with me because at least in that circumstance, like for you Z, like one of the things when you were going through it, it just felt like you were so, it felt like you were powerless when you were going through. It was like, I don't have any choice in this. Like he just informed me, like there was no sort of, dialogue, realistic dialogue. And I think that the ways that he had tried to communicate with you were like, well, we're just roommates. Yeah. Right. Which is not the same as having that hard conversation. It's like, 
little jabs about like, I wish our sex life was better. I wish our sex life was better. Or like, I want kids. I want kids. You know, where are you on it? Versus like, this is so important to me. I'm looking at exiting this marriage. Like that's not really the same conversation. And, you know, yeah, I think in, in each of those, those circumstances, it takes a lot of self-awareness. It takes a lot of, of, um, it takes a lot of capacity to have that conversation. And we don't really teach people how to have those conversations, but I still feel like there's responsibility on the part of the person who's so unhappy that they're looking to cheat. Like that person has responsibility to tell their partner, like the responsible thing to do, the, 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 the thing with integrity to do is to talk to the person about it before you cheat. And I just have heard so many cheating stories where people have said like, I just felt trapped. Like I didn't know what else to do. I really didn't know what else to do. And it's like, that's the, what else to do. There is another way. And, you know, I think it's important. Yeah. To give a shout out to like therapy, like you get your own therapist to, to talk about how to have the conversation or like seek some help to, to like have, it's like almost like an intervention, Mm -hmm. right? It's just like, it is kind of an intervention. It's like, this is so critical and crucial like, I need you to know where I am on this, which is a, a totally different thing than just the sort of side comments of like, oh, I wish this was different. Or like, well, we're just roommates. When really it's like, I need this need to be met. And it's not right now. We need to figure out a solution. Yeah. And honestly, like, if you're going to have that conversation, you have to be willing to exit the relationship. And I think that's the difference. I talk to, I have clients that are unhappy in their marriages for very long periods of time, and they're unwilling to leave. And I, and I remember one client saying, yeah, a past therapist said I had no leverage because I'm not willing to leave. And I was like, I don't like that languaging. I apologize for stating my opinion, but I don't think that's a cool languaging. But my thing is, if you're going to stay together and you're unwilling to leave, have the fucking conversation with your partner about you're not happy. I'm not happy. If we're going to stay together, don't we want to be as happy as possible? Yeah. How can we figure this out? Who can we see and talk to? Yeah. And at least at that point, at that point, the other person has a choice. Yeah. Again, like the choice, the power that you have the option of saying, yes, I will see a couple's counselor with you. No, I won't because that choice was taken away from you. Yeah. You had no choice. There was no point at which you could say, yes, I'm willing to invest in this relationship. I'm willing to do what it takes. I, you know, I marry you. Like I'm, I'm really in it. You never got that. Nope. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to start to wrap up here. Um, and I know that this, there's like a ton of more stuff to talk about, but this is already kind of getting long. Um, so I guess um, let's just go around and just do a, like one thing you're walking away with from this, from this conversation. Oh, I guess starting I'm starting. With you. Okay, yeah, starting sorry. With you. Unprepared. I'm unprepared. I feel unprepared. Um, yeah. One thing I'm walking away with is just recognizing how, how passionate I am about teaching people, like training people, like giving people the tools to have difficult conversations and to really make that, because I do think it's teachable. I think there's a lot that we can do around, around specifically having hard conversations. I'm taking away just the lengths that we will go to as people to get our needs met, even if they're in really unhealthy ways. And so similarly, Mel, I feel really passionate about helping women really be able to feel into their needs and speak their needs and trust their intuition and, and honor that as they're attracting healthier partners. Um, this is the, I'm taking away, I'm just really taking away like just tons of appreciation for where my life was five years ago and where I'm at now. And to know that 
like I have so much love for my ex when I look back and I have so much gratitude for the journey that I've been able to have, even though my life kind of collapsed and fell apart and was shattered. Like I really like the person I am now and all the work it did to like get me here. And it's so exciting and inspiring for me. And like, as a therapist, that is all I want to do with people is like instill the hope that it might be shitty work to do in between, but it is absolutely possible to have a full and meaningful life. And like, that is why I do the therapy work and the coaching and all the stuff that I do, because I really believe that there is a beyond which you were even the better version of yourself. Mm. And yeah, that's, that's really cool for me. That's why I do what I do. Love it. Very inspiring. Thank you. I'm taking away some PTGs. That's <laughs> growth. I mean, hurt people hurt people, right? So just really taking away the importance of knowing yourself and doing that inner work. And so you don't hurt other people. So you don't harm other people, you know, and if that means cheating, if that means, you know, like projecting, like, you know, whatever, like knowing yourself well enough so that um, you don't kind of cause harm. Yeah. Cause harm and, and spread the hurt, but spread the love and faith. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And sort of to your point, Z, it's like, you have to be in touch with yourself in order to know what your needs are. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't do that without that. You can't know that like, oh yeah, my sexual needs are real needs. This is legitimate thing that I have as a need rather than, oh, I shouldn't need it. Or, you know, I think there's some, there's some shame and confusion around sex and it's, it's like, no, it's a need. Yeah. It's a need. And can I state one more thing too? Sure. So as a therapist, I know lots of people see therapists and some of them are really shitty. I just want to let all you guys know, men and women out there that are listening, there are all kinds of therapy now, newer therapies like EMDR, brain spotting, like Violet talked about SE, somatic experiencing. There are tons of other things, um, NARM, CRM. It's not just talk therapy. So if you've even seen a therapist before and have not found it helpful, reach out to Mel on the podcast. Yeah. You know, we're all connected in this community. Yeah. Like we will find you better resources to get assistance that you might, that might serve you better. Yeah. Dear men podcast at gmail.com. Hey guys, did you know I teach a course exactly about sex? It's called Please Her in Bed, and it's based on all of my sex research asking women, what do the men who are best in bed do? I asked over a thousand women, 1,067 to be precise, and then I put together this course. Here are a few responses from men who've taken it. I almost immediately started seeing a woman shortly after the course. She is open and all over me. And we've had sex. Before the course, I hadn't had intercourse in about two years. And I found that a couple of men have said this where they've taken the course and then they've started having sex with a woman. And I think it's because their confidence levels went up because they finally felt like they actually knew what they were doing. Here's another man who was married when he started taking it. I took the course hoping to establish a closer relationship with my wife of over 20 years. Our sex life was always vanilla, but lately it had dwindled to less than once a month and not particularly satisfying for either of us. Since the course, however, our sex life has improved considerably. Now I feel way more confident about my ability to connect with my wife and make the experience satisfying for both of us. I've always loved her, but feel like I'm falling in love with her again after 25 years. If you're interested in hearing more, go to pleaseherinbed.com and the course is listed for $97, but if you're a podcast listener and you use code DEARMEN, that's all one word, DEARMEN, you can get it for 69